I'm Stephanie Cox, and this is Mobile Matters. Today, I'm joined by Taylor Webster at Lowe's. Taylor is the user experience and design manager and is responsible for the end-to-end experience for Lowe's consumer-facing iOS and Android apps. He's continually pushing the boundaries of native mobile retail at scale. In this episode, Taylor and I talk a lot about what it was actually like to be at Macworld when Steve Jobs first unveiled the iPhone, why it's so important to focus on the customer and what they need to do on mobile, and how small iterations might be the best approach to making changes to mobile experiences. And make sure you stick around till the end, where I'll give my recap and top takeaways so that you can not only think about mobile differently, but implement it effectively. Welcome to the show, Taylor. So you've had a very impressive career over the last 20 years in the digital space with a big emphasis on mobile. Can you tell me how you first got started in digital and mobile? I first got, got, got introduced to mobile in the way it is. is I was uh, actually at Macworld uh, many years ago, and I was about 14 rows back when Steve Jobs came out and showed us the first iPhone. And um, when I saw that, that kind of changed my entire path and in, in, where I wanted to be in for the rest of my career in digital. Uh, just, just fell in love with that device immediately and wanted to do anything I could to make sure users were, were able to get the get everything they could out of it. So it's and from that point forward, I took it straight back to the agency that I was working at, at the time and just started diving deep into how can we start working for this? How can we start getting our clients on board with this? This is this is going to be huge. This is great, and this is kind of changing everything that we know today as far as like how you interact with these devices. And I think we've seen that happen too. I think that's the best story I've ever heard of how someone first got engaged in mobile. I mean, what's better than seeing Steve Jobs launch the iPhone? It's great. I mean, I was standing in my Treo W, um, 650W, I think is what it was, and I was snapping pictures on that. And I was like super excited just being in the space, but at the same time, seeing that that actually delivered and everybody thought they knew what it was going to be, and it was just so much more. Um, and now the stories have come out since, but it was just so much more. So as you think back from that moment to now, what do you think has been the biggest improvements that you've seen in the mobile space? What's really funny about that? So you, you're bringing together all these different technologies. Like, you know, so we have the ability to, to um, like geolocate. We have the ability to do all these different things. But what I, what I really think is awesome about it is how we're now starting to actually integrate back in like just natural voice processing and being able to actually talk to the phone again. Yeah, um, so it's, it's we've kind of separated from that. But now we're kind of coming back and it's, Spanning its way into other devices with, you know, IoT devices and things like that. And it's super cool to see that natural input starting to gain traction again. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that, right? It's like using the phone for what it was intended to, which is voice initially. So it's kind of fun to see it come full circle. So when you think about mobile at Lowe's, how do you think about like what you should do at a really high level? Because there's so much you can do in the retail space. Staying focused is 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 a real challenge, you know, because yeah, a you you want to you you have to start at the customer. You know that's that's a way to really stay focused. You know what are customer pain points? What is the customer asking for? You know what does the customer need? Um, and of course you want to sometimes leapfrog over and give the customer something they don't quite know that they need yet, so that you can actually kind of build your ex- experiences from there and kind of branch out. But you know staying focused on that front, and you know if you're a retailer, you're a retailer, so you need to sell products really well. And the way to do that is to you know make sure you're meeting your customers' needs and staying on top of like reducing as much friction as possible, you know, in that experience um, and, and making sure your product information is right and talking to all the different departments across your company so that you're, you're getting your information and everything streamlined as, as in the best way possible and delivering it to the customer fast when they want it. Cause 
it's um so important just keeping the customer in the center. No, I think that's such a great point. I think a lot of times as marketers and mobile experts, we want to deliver like an innovative, compelling experience for us. And sometimes we forget to say like, what does my customer actually want? What's most important to them? And sometimes that's a little different than maybe what we are thinking. So I think it's so vital to just get back to the root of it, which is talking to the customer. Absolutely. I mean, you know, every year there's a new OS that comes out. And when a new OS comes out, it has great new features. And some of those great new features we know are going to get adopted. But the, the true timeline that it takes for customers to adopt it and then adopt it in the industry that you actually are in matters as well. You know, so like, you know, the integration of Touch ID was huge for us, you know, because it was great because customers download apps where they want to stay logged in. You know, and the easy, the, anything you can do to stay logged in, make that more less friction, the better. But, you know, with, with augmented reality and some of those things, yeah, we've played with it. We've done things and we've tried to find ways to make it a tool and less of a toy, you know, in, in our industry, but, you know, it really just doesn't have traction right now for where we stand. So it's, you know, and it's not something that we we've pushed forward with maybe, you know, very, very hard because, you know, we still important. What's important is make sure the customers can get their products and they can get what they need and how they need it with, with very little traction, you know, in and out of the store, bringing those two spaces together is, is, is critical and staying focused on that. And I think it's so important, right, to your point earlier around having a balance between delivering what the customer wants and then sometimes, right, leapfrogging that, but not going too far that you're not providing true value at the core of what you're trying to accomplish with that customer. That's a real challenge, you know, just knowing because if you do leapfrog, you don't want to go so far out that they don't already aren't already embracing the technology and, and already using the technology in full capacity. Uh, that's that's kind of what helps keep us a, have a gut check of like, are we going too far ahead or, or do we need to kind of sit on this technology for a little while and actually let it bake? Because you know, in our industry, sometimes it's good to be the first out, but sometimes, you know, there's very little to, to gain from it in some cases, in, especially in, in the mobile market. Because you just don't, there's, there's such a wide range of people who have wide range of devices and you don't want to leave anybody out in, the, in that picture sometimes. So that's a great segue to my kind of next question. So recently, it was a couple months ago, I was at Lowe's trying to buy a new washer and dryer. And I found your native app to be super helpful in store because I could just grab it, scan the barcode of the washer and dryer I'm looking at, find the closest Lowe's that had it, right? I could actually order it straight from my phone. And then by the time I got to the other Lowe's, since mine didn't have it, it was already ready for me, which personally I loved. So one of the things that I think people fall victim to a lot is putting too much in their native mobile apps. How do you guys balance what gets in your native mobile app? What's meant more for your website? Like what's that kind of internal line of thinking that you guys use? That's a good point that you point that out. Because that, that, that is a challenge for us. You know, it's like what's .com, what's mobile web, what's apps? We, we, we typically, like a really high level, draw the line at what can the app do that .com or web can't, you know? In a sense, like, can we, is there, there are pieces of information that we can use from having these tiny computers in our hand that we can actually tap into and use that to, to excel the experience for the customer? That's what we try to, you know, stay focused on that. But then there's the core elements like product and product information and pricing and just straight out purchasing. You know, that's going to be core across all of our interfaces. Um, and those need to work seamlessly and they need to work almost identical, not necessarily identical, but need to work, you know, in a, in a very close fashion, you know, in the, as far as the experience across all those, because that's, that's the experience that you would expect from Lowe's if you happen to hop from one interface to the other. 
staying focused on those core elements and then and really just asking customers and seeing and and you know and being the ux specialist you know in our, in our company is just asking the customers and following them and, and having you know reviewing what their 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 actual tasks that they're trying to complete when they're in the store and what their real pain points and challenges are and and then using using the devices to find a way to to smooth that over and make that as frictionless as possible. So when you think about measuring success overall at a high level, you know what are the metrics that you're thinking about for like your native mobile apps? With our consumer apps, we for for sure we have to track you know revenue and stuff like that. Those those are very important KPIs because we sell products and that's that's one. And then we we also have engagement you know metrics that we put in our apps to make sure that features are, are they being discovered? Are they being used? Uh, we have, you know, all kinds of KPIs and analytics that we put in that are just like that, that you would run through a dashboard and pull and, and, and run information from that standpoint. But on, on the other side, like I said, we also like to take our products out into the wild and actually interview with customers, talk with customers, you know, um, and, and see how they're in their feedback and get their use on that. We um, track our, our reviews and we read them diligently and respond you know as, as much as we can and and our ratings and information on that just to see the downloads and all the information that's out there available to us then uh, we put it all together to see if, if what we're delivering is actually meeting the demand of our customers if not they'll tell us and, and we react and we, we have a really good practice of iterating and reacting and, and trying to give our customers what they need what they're asking for so would you say that as you guys think about mobile it's a constant evolution that you're constantly iterating on you know, what you're delivering to customers, looking at what they're using, what they're not using, their feedback, their engagement, and then, you know, making small tweaks, big tweaks, really just to help continually evolve that experience. Yeah, we've seen that that's, that's, that's sort of the, the best way to move forward. I mean, it, there's times when we will add something bigger in that needs to add a whole new component of capability. But even some rights, that's another iteration toward a, a new feature for our app and for customers. And then to take that a step further, we have a whole slew of apps that we build directly for our associates in store too. And we take that with the highest regard. We give it the same rigor we do our consumer apps. And, you know, with metrics and pieces on that front, we it's time on task and you know, how long it takes to complete certain inventory checks and different things like that. Well, I love that you get to do both the consumer facing and the internal apps. I think in a lot of other organizations, that's a lot of times separate teams that do it. And there's so many great learnings that you can have from from both of them that can really, really carry over. Yeah, absolutely. I've I've had I've been fortunate enough to be uh, tied to both our associate and our and our uh, consumer mobile applications for pretty much my entire career at Lowe's so far. And, and there is so much so many learnings that we learn from our associates directly because. They are my customer in some ways as well, and they are my customer's customer, you know. So being they, they have so many insights about what customers are doing when they come into stores and um, are a, a number one resource for getting information about, you know, what changes we can do to actually help them actually provide a better service for customers as well. So thinking to your career in mobile so far, can you just tell me, you know, like if you had to pick one story of how mobile went really well, you know, what did that look like for you, and why was that at a high level really successful? Yeah, so that, that's an easy one. So when I first came in the Lowe's, um, it's about six years ago. We, we one of the, the the first products that I was working on delivering through our consumer mobile channels was bringing product finding to our customers. And this is you know big box locations, you know, um, like the stores like ours is it's not near impossible just to walk in and find something if you don't if you've never been there. 
you know, and um, and then kind of navigating around any store, you know, that, that's uh, especially in the large size. And uh, we were one of the first like big box retailers to really push forward and and deliver this on a grand scale. And you know, we had product information for every product that we had listed digitally for every one of our stores. You know, so you can imagine like bringing that from the ground up. Um, you know, that just all the different different partners within the company that need to be aligned, and and um, and how you got all that information, you know, into the in, into the screen so that we can actually use it, and then actually taking that, you know, to the customers and finding out how they, they interpret it, how they use it. And there's been many iterations on the ways that we show that badging and the ways that we, you know, um, have moved that around in screens and the types of capabilities we've given given to our customers, and we still iterate on it today. It's a it's a Highly sought for feature, but it's hardly ever mentioned unless they can't find it. <laughs> you know, so it's um, it's 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 huge, and it's it's a great way to it's a like we all talk omni-channel today, and and, and um, and it's kind of a term that we've been buzzing around for you know it lasts like I say four maybe three or four years or so since you know that I can recollect, but you know, prior to that, this is one of those types of features that started to pave the road for that kind of mentality and that kind of thought. It's it's truly the customers at home. Where is this this product? You know, oh, it's over. So you plan their their purchase path when they come through or when they're in the store. You know, ah, I need to find you know this 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 type of product. Where is it? And it can, it's real quick and easy to find. Well, and I find myself doing that all the time, especially if I just need to run in and get something. I mean, or I have to send my husband in to get something. I'm like, oh, it's an aisle A29, and it's it's so much faster. But I think now as consumers. I guess, thank you for bringing it to big box stores to begin with, because now everyone's adopted it and it's just so commonplace, but now it's an expectation. So one of the things I anticipate you're constantly thinking about is all the enhancements and mobile tech that have happened over the last couple of years and are continuing to happen. So I'm thinking like, you know, chatbots, we already talked about AR, like RCS, progressive web apps, and more. How do you think about evaluating what new mobile tech you should think about and what's just not ready for you yet. It, it all starts at, you know, at your, your core customer base and then what your industry is, you know, so like, it's, you know, to me, it, it's, this is the way I like to look at it is strip it all away. Like what is my main purpose here? You know, in my industry for me, Lowe's it's to sell products and to sell those products. You know, okay. So what does my customer need? Yeah, I need, like from a digital standpoint, I need to be able to visualize products, you know? So yeah, AR is kind of important to us, you know, because what's the hard thing about selling a product on uh, like Lowe's.com or in an app or somewhere like that is I don't know if it's going to fit. I don't know if it's the right color. You know, it's, it's a nice grill, but I don't want to buy the grill that has, you know, like this mat, a bunch of burners on it. And I set it on my patio and now I have no patio left because it's the whole size. You know, it's a, you know, AR has great place for that. You know, um, and I think we saw a lot of that in retailers coming through this past year with um, um, the Amazons and a bunch of other folks were really pushing, you know, that, that visualization. We, we have that, too. We have it on our Android platform at the moment. But at the end of the day, our customers ready to think about it in that light, you know, because um, that, that is a, a, a tool that can help a customer close the deal, per se, or feel comfortable with their 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 they're confident about the purchase that they're making. But. You know, you know, we haven't really seen the adoption enough to say that customers are quite ready to use that technology for that purpose. Um, and um, so, you know, we scale back, you know, and focus back into the core, which is how do we help product information and finding and actually, you know, deals and whatever the other content that customers are actually seeking for. 
but staying focused on what is your main purpose? What is your, you know, having solid um, KPIs and solid um, purpose, you know, from your business plans is, is really where it needs to pull out from, you know, to how you make decisions on that front. We're having challenges, you know, talking with customers and keeping up with the demand of customer service that's coming through from different channels and maybe, you know, using chatbots and stuff like that as a way to relieve some of that pressure. You know, it's to apply it in a way that actually improves the overall experience, not a hope that it makes something neat or, or better. You take the hope out and actually do something with that attaches to a, a real problem that, that or pressure point that you see for a customer, relieve it. You know, use that, use that software for that good. Well, or to your point earlier, right? Let's not latch on to new technology just because it's new and shiny. Let's do things that actually matter for our customers. And it's really hard, you know, because it's new. You don't know what they like or not. Sometimes it's better to not gamble in it unless you're in a industry where you're, you're able to stay in that area and you have the analytics that support, you know, my users are on the latest devices with the latest and they stay updated on the latest OSs and, and I see them using adoption of these things and go for it. You know, there's some industries that can just can kind of go for and just they have that, that luxury. So I know you mentioned iOS and Android and sometimes the discrepancy between the two. Do you always think about that strategically? Do you try and keep them on parity? Does it really matter more about like your consumer base just looking different on each of the different operating systems? Kind of back to what I mentioned earlier, we have, we have kind of a core set of features that, that will apply to any interface that you would engage with with Lowe's. But there are places where we fragment out and do things that are specific for iOS versus Android. You know, we, we haven't, you know, well, we actually launched a, an Android Wear app first before we actually moved into to the Apple Watch because it was actually out in the market first. And, and um, then we haven't, we went into the Apple Watch world for a little while and we've got the product visualization and AR on Android. But then on iOS, we made a standalone app that was just like a standalone app called Measure. And so it was a measuring tool. You know, it was, you know, it was a freebie that we created for, to get, kind of give back to everybody else that to all of our customers or anybody that needs to do a real quick two point measuring, you know, to, to say, Hey, how wide is this? Or how tall is this? Can I, you know, am I playing a regulatory game of, of cornhole? Let's measure it out and make sure, you know, um, that, that was our goal. You know, um, it wasn't really an app that, that we built with any intentions of selling product to it or anything like that in the future. But, you know, we got to play with it and see what demand was. And we built something that was useful that, we still use. Well, and I kind of love that you didn't put it part of the native Lowe's app, right? You thought about like, let's have a separate use for this. Let's not kind of stick it in with everything else. And I think consumers really appreciate that. Yeah, it gives them the ability to choose if they need it and not have extra bloat on their devices. And because people are real conscious about their devices and, and storage and storage isn't cheap, you know, when it comes to phones. So one of the things that you mentioned is, you know, making it easier for consumers to, you know, find a product or to get more information on that product. What role do you think things like QR codes or like near field communication, NFC, are going to have in that moving forward or even image recognition? NFC, it's adopted more on the Android department, you know, or, or, or operating systems and devices, but I still, I don't see a lot of the adoption there now in the industry you know like on my associate side there, there's 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 a lot more opportunity for near field communication and and um being able to like inventory tracking and um 
the, 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 that this is this is technology that's existing in places and today where you know it, it could send send a, a scanner across a whole bin of boxes and then it'll tell you everything that's in it if the NFC cards are, are attached to each of the boxes and tells you what's in them and that's part of that process and nobody's having to move anything nobody's having to restock anything in those fronts and just tell me what all's there right now you know I'm mean, log it all um, so I think there's there's some some really strong points to be made in that front. But image recognition, you know, that that's a whole different. That opens up a whole new world of opportunities. Like I could literally open my phone up and just kind of scan the room, and if there's visual markers in the room, that could immediately start to pop up things. You know, I could have a refrigerator. I mean, a yeah, you know, a refrigerator right in front of me, or the um, and I could actually open it up and it recognized that refrigerator and actually give me that product information without scanning the barcode, taking me to another page. I could see it pointing at the dial and says, "This is what the dial does." You can at that point start to pull back in the augmented reality, you know, um, and make it meaningful and in the moment, you know, and and actually have attached, you know, the information that the customer is actually trying to seek in that moment. I think that's that's powerful, and there's a lot of there's a lot of capabilities there. But you still have to get past the hurdle of will the customers actually do it outright? Will they pull their camera out? You know, do they feel goofy doing that? Uh, you know, I don't, it, that that needs some testing. Well, and it kind of also needs that point where they're not the only ones doing it in the middle of an aisle, right? Right. That tends to help. So when you think about the future of mobile, where do you think it's headed? I think about this often, and I go in, in, in many different trains of thought. And, and I, really, I really think that where I was talking, speaking earlier about how voices is, is finally starting to, to come back around. It's like, you know, we used to use our phones to talk in them to someone else. And now we're getting to the point where we're talking to our phones as an, as an entity of its own. You know, and, and now we're seeing that abstracted even further to where we're talking to other types of devices, which really starts to see me like really get excited in the fact that we're actually going back to our natural input method, you know, um, away from these abstract methods like keyboards and, you know, and things like that, that we need to, to carry information to someone else in a different way. But if we, if we keep moving down this path, I see screens getting smaller or disappearing altogether, or maybe screens are separate from the device, you know, and I'm talking purely hardware here, but, you know, um, it's this thing if we decouple the screen away from the actual processor, and now that, you know, battery life, you know, could, could go on for way longer than it does today, which is sort of like what watches are kind of doing, but, you know, but if I could just naturally speak to it and it worked really, really, really well, you know, I really just need an earpiece and, you know, a processor somewhere in my pocket or something like that. And a visualizer could be, you know, visualizers or screens could be anywhere. You know, you just walk up and pull up what you need. That could be maybe a commodity that's handed out. But I really see mobile actually kind of starting to become less of a package, you know, like here's this big thing that you need to buy and still carry around. Um, I, there's, there's many components that have been packed into it. Uh, I, I really kind of see it getting to a point where they start to kind of pull themselves back out and um, integrate back into our everyday lives in different ways. Taylor is probably the best story I've ever heard about how he got started in mobile. How many of us can actually say that we were at Macworld when Steve Jobs unveiled the first iPhone? I can tell you personally, I am super jealous of that experience. It's a moment that started this transformative shift in marketing and gave us a device that most of us can no longer imagine living without or can even be away from for more than a few minutes. Now let's get to my favorite part of the show where we take the education and apply it to your business. 
There's so many great insights to my conversation with Taylor that can really transform how you think about mobile marketing. Let's dive into my top three takeaways. First, we all need to make sure we're still putting the customer at the center of everything we do. I know this probably sounds cliche to a lot of you, and you've heard it a hundred, maybe even a million times it seems, but there's so many marketers out there today that still aren't doing it. Think back to the last initiative you implemented. Did you think about whether or not your customers truly wanted it? Hopefully it was easy for you to think back to that initiative and maybe even a couple before that. And you're constantly thinking about numerous examples of how you incorporated customer research into figuring out what that project would look like and what to actually deliver. However, we also all know if we think about it honestly, that there are projects out there that marketers implement because they're so enamored and a lot of times we're so enamored with an idea that we haven't even once thought about it from a customer's perspective. And occasionally these projects are successful, but a lot of times they fail and people are surprised. And that's because we're not putting the customer's needs at the center. So when you think about starting with a customer for a mobile experience, you need to consider what that customer needs and what they want to do on mobile, and then really try and reduce as much friction as possible from that experience. While you might inheritively know some of this information, it's a vital that you're speaking with your customers on a regular basis and getting their direct feedback. And I say regular, I mean regular, on a monthly or ideally weekly basis. And this can include anything from conducting quantitative surveys to hosting in-person focus groups to talking to people if you're in retail to customers in the store. If you have existing mobile experiences and you're looking to make improvements rather than create something new, then don't forget to read the reviews of those experiences. If you have a native app, we all have app store reviews. Go check them out. Read them on a regular basis. Chances are your customers are already providing you with a lot of valuable feedback on this channel. And oftentimes it's at this either peak moment of delight because you've done something great on that experience that they love or the moment of utter frustration where they're so frustrated because they can't do something that they want to do. Another area you've got to consider is thinking about your frontline employees. They're interacting with your customers often on a daily basis. They have a wealth of knowledge about customers that have been shared with them, and they also have their own ideas of how they think the customer experience could be improved. So make sure you talk to them and value their input. Now, once you've got all of your feedback, it's time to think about how to actually implement it. One of the points that Taylor made that really resonated with me was the idea of constant iteration and making small changes to see how customers react. As a marketer, I know sometimes I'm inclined to get feedback and I want to make these substantial sweeping changes to address my issues, but I really have been trying to caution myself on that because sometimes it doesn't have the intended results that I want. If I make too many changes, I'm going to lose the ability to see the impact of each of those changes because the results are muddied with everything else. And then I got to think about whether or not I'm going to overwhelm my customers with a large number of changes and potentially create new issues that didn't exist before. So these are all concerns you've got to take into account when you think about implementing substantial changes to a mobile experience. And that's really why I'm a big advocate, as well as Taylor, it sounded like, for making numerous iterations to allow you to truly know what's working. The benefit of this approach is that you'll get to see results that are reflective of the change and not necessarily influenced by other changes that you've made. Now, keep in mind, a lot of times people are leery of doing this because they're like, it's going to take forever then for me to make these big changes I need to. That's not the case, everyone. It doesn't have to take forever. You can roll out iterations quickly. You just need to make sure that you're taking enough time to get data about each iteration before you put the new one out. And that's going to vary based on everyone's business.
You also need to think about how often your customers are engaging with your mobile experiences and how fast they can consume changes. So you can think about how that relates to the level of and the speed at which you roll out iterations. Next, don't forget what industry you're in because what works for one industry may not work for yours and that's okay. You have to consider what's relevant for your industry before you start implementing new technology features and others. This can feel like it's really at odds with this idea of looking at what other successful companies are doing and really using that to influence your decision-making process. For me, I draw a ton of inspiration from other companies that are often in a different market than me. As a B2B marketer, I find myself gleaning a ton of marketing inspiration from B2C brands because at the end of the day, we're all selling to people. However, there's a difference between drawing inspiration and using that inspiration to influence my marketing efforts and taking what someone else is doing in another industry and assuming it will work the same in mine. And part of that reason is because customers and industries are different. They have different expectations and they adopt and consume technology differently. For instance, there are new operating system features that come out every year and some of those features get adopted by consumers in their personal lives but they're not willing to use that same technology in a specific use case in a specific industry. One example is AR. So think about Pokemon Go. How many people were walking around the different parts of the world with Pokemon Go having their phone out for this AR experience? That became commonplace and accepted. But then if you look at other brands that have implemented AR experiences in like the retail sector, how many times do you see people out with their phones doing an AR experience in an actual store? Not a ton. It doesn't mean that AR is not a valuable technology. It just means that a customer's willingness to use it in a specific industry varies a great deal. And a lot of times that's based on whether or not the customer feels comfortable using that technology with your brand. So what it really boils down to is don't forget what the ultimate business goal is and that you're serving that goal. For retail, this is selling product. For banking, it's giving me easy access to all of my accounts on my mobile device. If I'm doing something for my employees, it's likely about productivity and allowing them to do their work faster and better. So no matter how innovative the idea is or the technology, make sure you don't lose sight of what you're really trying to accomplish. Finally, we've all felt this ongoing struggle or battle between what features to include on our website versus our native app and how to balance the disparities between operating systems. I'm looking at you, Android and Apple. While there are some technological advancements with progressive web apps that are making it easier to develop one digital experience that really works the same across different operating systems and different form factors, if you're not adopting progressive web apps, then you're going to have this ongoing struggle. So how do you really solve it? Well, let's start with the first key concept. Each company has core functionality that needs to be reflective in your digital experiences, regardless of the form factor or operating system. In Lowe's case, this is e-commerce and product finding. Customers need to be able to purchase products online and find them easily in store. It doesn't matter if it's on the website or the app, and it doesn't matter where they are or what device they're using. Now, they don't have to work exactly the same across every experience, but they need to feel the same conceptually. So if I do it on my website, and then I go to your app, I get the sense that I'm still buying from Lowe's. So consider your core functionality to be table stakes for your experiences. Then you're going to want to draw the line between what you can do, especially on native mobile, that you can't do on traditional web. This makes it a little easier to draw a line of delineation between the two from a technology perspective, but it doesn't give you the full picture of what you should do because you should not, and I repeat, should not try and stuff everything in there that you can do from a technology perspective. It creates clunky and not user-friendly experiences. 
And this is why you got to get back to focusing on the customer and thinking about what they would want to do on that device in various aspects of their customer journey with your brand. An earlier statement I've made, I'm going to repeat it again, ask your customers. It's so important. Don't just rely on your opinions, no matter how good they are. This should allow you to start figuring out what makes the most sense for each channel and take it one step further for operating systems. I think Taylor had a really great way of handling this. He mentioned a few examples of where they've tested out features in their Android native mobile app because that functionality was already available on Android and not on iOS yet. This allowed them to get a better sense of how customers might adopt the technology if they were to expand it to iOS once Apple made that functionality available. Now, I want to caution everyone, there are some nuances between Android and iOS users just in terms of how they consume technology and what they use. So it's not a true apples to apples comparison, but it can give you some directional data that's helpful. Now, on to my mobile marketing challenge for the week. If you haven't thought about how to better integrate voice into your mobile experiences, then you're likely way behind. We're getting back to the original function of the phone with voice, and we're expanding into things like Alexa, Google Home, and more. In fact, voice was another key area of focus at CES again this year. So it's time for all of us to figure out how voice is going to work for our brand and put together a plan to actually make it happen really quickly. I'm Stephanie Cox, and you've been listening to Mobile Matters. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Until then, be sure to visit Lumivate.com and subscribe to get more access to thought leaders, best practices, and all things mobile.